Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. What's happening, everybody? Welcome. It's another edition of Let's Talk Sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. And I got a guest co-host uh, with me here. He is uh, none other than the digital sports reporter for KHON2. My man, Christian Shimabuku, is in the house. What's up, Christian? How's it going? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, great to be here as yeah, always. Always a, a pleasure to have you up here. And we can talk about a host of things because mm-hmm. you cover a wide array of sports here around these parts. But uh, obviously this was Super Bowl Sunday just a couple mm-hmm. of days ago. How did you take in the game? Uh, were you able to lounge around, watch it at home or at a friend's house? Or, uh, or were you working like your buddy Robbie D? Yeah, I was actually sitting in the same office with Rob watching it the whole time. And, uh, you know, it was good. Some people, you know, like to enjoy the game, maybe a little bit too much where they don't remember what happened. But, uh, yeah, for uh, Rob and I, you know, we were able to take it in, um, you know, with clear minds, uh, if you see where I'm going at. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I get it. Yeah, a little bit easier to remember some of those uh, <laughs> yeah. some of those details there. Uh, what part of the game, if any, uh, surprised you? I will have to admit, right, I can, mm-hmm. uh, I can take an L when I need to take an L. Uh, and I said on this radio show, and I said it to a lot of people who who were asking me just around the way, uh, you know, who do you think is going to win? And I and I continue to say, I just don't see how. I couldn't envision how the 49ers would win that game, right, mm-hmm. going into it. I was just thinking, like, yeah, you know, they seem like their run defense is a little too susceptible for what Kansas City could potentially do behind Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, and then, of course, if you have to try to load up on the run or if you're paying a little bit more attention to that threat and possibility then it opens up uh passing lanes for Patrick Mahomes the the greatest possibly to ever do it and I just I just couldn't really see I thought that CMC would be able to to also be effective and would probably have to have a more or less heroic like effort uh for the 49ers to uh, have a chance in that game but I just didn't really see the Niners being able to put together a game plan uh to fully limit uh, or, or even possibly slow down Patrick Mahomes, not not the focused sort of clutch gene Patrick Mahomes that we had been seeing in previous weeks and just thought that KC defense, if they're able to do what they did uh, in the previous two weeks on the road in Buffalo, on the road at Baltimore against those offenses and some of those weapons and uh, you know more or less make the necessary plays that they needed to make, I just didn't see how the Niners were going to be able to do it. Uh, and then they balled out, right? And, yeah. and they were able to, to basically put the handcuffs on this Chiefs offense, particularly in that first half. Um, you know, they were able to fix up some of the things that hurt them the last time these two teams played, even in that Super Bowl four years ago. Uh, some of those screen passes that were gashing them, they had those absolutely sniffed mm-hmm. out, uh, and their defense was playing with a certain aggression, and it wasn't really until some of the unpredictable miscues, like the special team uh, play, where, you know, obviously they botched up that punt reception, it hits one of the up men, and uh, the Chiefs recover deep in 49er territory, and that leads to a touchdown pass uh the blocked extra point and it was just kind of some of the freaky deaky stuff uh that you can say you know give all credit in the world to Patrick Mahomes and and the Chiefs and uh him being you know just so incredibly good at his job uh and being able to to make those plays when they needed it the most and fourth down running conversions and throwing you know clutch passes I mean he's just he's the goat in a lot of people's minds already for a really obvious and good reason uh but you still have to look at that game and be like she's I think the Niners played well enough to win the Super 
Super Bowl. And had it not been for some of those freaky plays, uh, they probably would have. And so that, I think, would uh, constitute uh, an L for your boy. L stands for Leahy because uh, <laughs> I honestly didn't think how they could win that game. And then coming out of it, it was like, oh, uh, you could make the argument that they should have. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> and uh, that's the thing about the Chiefs is I think um, – you know, the entire year, I never thought to myself that this is the best team in the league. Uh, yet there they were again, you know, raising that Super Bowl trophy after, which is um, pretty crazy to think about. I don't know how many other people thought that, you know, they were the best team. Uh, they are now, though, for sure. Uh, but I think, um, you know, I, it was just a great uh, game defensively for both teams. Um, you know, I think a lot of people were, um, you know, dwelling on the fact that the Niners didn't gain much separation in the first half um, when they were holding Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes. Uh, but uh, in the second half, they were still holding down the field goals, yeah. um, keeping the game close. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, the thing that stood out to me the most uh, was a, a couple Kyle Shanahan calls. Um, you know, the first one was um, a good one. You know, they were fourth and three in field goal range, I believe, at the Kansas City 10. They went for it, uh, which I thought was a very yeah. bold move, and they got it. Uh, that was the, the out to Kittle, right? Yeah, that was, and, and they barely got yeah, it. Right? Barely got it too. And uh, you know, analytics wise, I think uh, most people favor uh, two yards to go or less. But that was fourth and three, and yeah. that was very risky. Uh, but the fact that they rolled the dice and went for it, um, I will applaud them for that for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I think the second one was uh, in the fourth quarter, um, the two minute warning. So both teams had the entire two minute warning to go over. You know what they want to do on this particular play is third and four. If the Niners convert, they pretty much win the game because they can run out the clock. Um, they can hold on for the field goal. Uh, but then, you know, Brock Purdy just throws in it to a, you know, a batted ball. And I think that was a really great, um, great job by Steve Spagnuolo, the Chiefs defensive coordinator, because that would have won the Niners the game. It kept the Chiefs in it. And so, um, yeah, that was then, the play that Chris Jones came in. Was yeah, that the yeah. He was like untouched, basically, yeah, yeah. right, and forced uh, that that bad ball because you had wide open receivers on either side. You had Jennings mm-hmm. uh, out there in the flats, and then you had on the left side over the middle a wide open Brandon Ayuk as well. So uh, that should have been a touchdown play. Chris Jones kind of blew that up. That seemed to be a uh, a missed block assignment there for the 49ers. But uh, getting back to your point, go ahead. No, yeah, it's just, um, you know, the stakes were so high on that play and the fact that you had the entire two-minute warning um, that each side had it um, to go over what they were going to do. It just felt like a very intense moment that time was standing still. And, you know, the Chiefs were the team that prevailed in that scenario and in the game as well. 808-296-1420, the number to call. Uh, You can also text in at that number via the Zephyr Insurance text line. So what do we do? It's interesting you bring up Kyle Shanahan. What do we do with this guy, right, who has obviously proven himself as being a pretty brilliant offensive mind uh, and what he has been able to do with Brock Purdy, right? Not a lot of people saw this coming from him, and I thought Brock Purdy certainly played well enough to be a Super Bowl champion quarterback and uh, my uh, how the narrative would be changed and the conversation around the 49ers and legacy and all that stuff, uh, what that would feel and look like uh, here in the days after if they had held on to that game. Uh, but Kyle Shanahan, I think he's proven his mettle. Like, the guy can coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a successful coach. Uh, he gets his team deep into the postseason, whether he's a coordinator or a head coach. Uh, But now you have to look at those three Super Bowl performances where he also gave up huge leads Mm -hmm. as the offensive coordinator in Atlanta, the infamous 28-3 game against Tom Brady and the Pats. Uh, You have the last time these two teams played where it was a 10-point lead in the second half. He had a 10-point lead, uh, double-digit lead in this game as well. And then they would go back and forth. And, uh, you know, it was uh, Patrick Mahomes who basically was able to eradicate 
a deficit that, you know, had Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers on the brink of winning a championship again. What do we do with this now? What do we do with Kyle Shanahan and sort of that following him? Uh, because you also have to, I think, frame it within the context of uh, he did blow 28-3. And that's uh, a game that you, if you if you have that lead, you have to find a way to win. Uh, he did blow that, and I think people will criticize him, uh, and even a little bit here in this game on Sunday, uh, maybe uh, starting to abandon the running game, mm-hmm. right, which got them there in so many ways, not just in that game, but throughout the season. Uh, maybe being a little too quick to call uh, early down pass plays, uh, maybe too quick to be discouraged after uh, a run play got stopped on first down, that kind of thing. Uh, what do we do with Kyle Shanahan? Uh, because the other framing that needs to be done is he also, in all of those three games, lost to the two quarterbacks that everybody's yeah. pretty much in agreement are the two greatest to do it in Tom Brady uh, and Patrick Mahomes in either order. So, yeah, wh- where are we, you think, with Kyle Shanahan? Yeah, you know, it's tough because, um, as you mentioned, in all three Super Bowls that he's coached and uh, had play-calling duties, um, he did have a 10-point lead in each of them, including on Sunday uh, when they were up 10 to nothing. Um, it's tough because, you know, he is a great play-caller and he does develop those leads. But I think, um, you know, he does have a reputation, he has earned one by now, um, of getting a little cute with the play-calling when he has a lead and when he's up. And uh, when it does behoove him to run the mm-hmm. ball, you know, give it to Christian McCaffrey, right? Uh, but... Um, yeah, it's just really tough. I don't know if we should punish him for getting to the Super Bowl three times, you know, and calling a great uh, season. Um, you know, every season that he's had those duties, it's just tough. You know, um, you can you can indict any of these guys. You know, Tom Brady for losing to Eli Manning twice. Um, he'd have nine rings if he didn't. Right. Yeah, so yeah. Um, it's just tough. You know. Um, for Kyle Shanahan's sake, um, I hope he one day gets over the hump. I'm not a Niners fan or anything, but you know it'd be great to get that monkey off his back. But right now, um, you know it's definitely fair um, some of the criticism he's receiving. Yeah, because it's it's so funny because mm-hmm. the guy on the other sideline, Andy Reid, you know now we hold him in this regard like man, offensive genius, mm-hmm. and look at this guy, uh, multiple Super Bowl champion coach. Um, but he was Kyle Shanahan, right? Like Kyle yeah. Shanahan sort of is what Andy Reid used to be in terms mm-hmm. of his reputation in his time with Philly, where, hey, we're going to NFC Championship games. We went to uh, a Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and, and they would fall short in somewhat similar fashion, right? Uh, and so, you know, the, the combination of, of him in Kansas City and uh, getting the talent like Patrick Mahomes and, um, you know, all of a sudden he was able to get over that proverbial hump that you're alluding to and it has absolutely changed the game on how we talk about this guy. And Kyle Shanahan is sort of like in that sphere of how we would talk about Andy Reid in the past before they went on this run. So uh, I kind of, I, I see what you're saying. I think that the irony of that is intriguing uh, because you just, you think it's going to happen one of these days, mm-hmm. right? They can't just continually get this close without breaking through. Uh, but then you remember that that has actually happened to a lot of coaches and a lot of teams uh, looking at you, Buffalo Bills. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And yeah, it's, it's really interesting, uh, you know, the Brady against uh, Mahomes narrative that, you know, has really put in, been put out there since, uh, you know, Sunday ended uh, because Patrick Mahomes has three Super Bowls. Uh, but what's really interesting to think about is, uh, you know, three years ago, Brady and Mahomes did play each other. And I think that's the game that will always end up, you know, separating the two. Because if Mahomes win that, wins that, he has four now and Brady mm-hmm. has six. Uh, but because Brady won that, he has seven and Mahomes has three. So, um, you know, 
as a LeBron fan, rings aren't everything in the, <laughs> in the GOAT discussion. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, that could have been the game that decides, you know, who has more rings uh, when it's all said and done. Do you think Mahomes could ever, like, catch Brady? I'm not talking about, like, number of rings, mm-hmm. uh, whether he can do that or not. You know, he, he definitely has uh, remarkably a chance to possibly do that here mm-hmm. uh, with the, the, the way that they're going. And I, I said it yesterday, like, uh, this was the most vulnerable, it felt like, the most mm-hmm. vulnerable Kansas City Chiefs team throughout this entire run where they've gone to the AFC Championship mm-hmm. game so many times in a row and uh, now, you know, with their third Super Bowl. This was the most vulnerable of all of those teams and they still won it, which makes me think, oh, everyone's just playing for second place here for the yeah. next decade. But uh, not necessarily in terms of the number of rings, but do you think he could in the minds of anybody? Uh, and, and with this being almost so soon on the heels of Tom Brady packing it in and finalizing this majestic uh, football resume, do you think Patrick Mahomes can uh, ever catch Tom almost like how you ask like LeBron if, if you know he's kind of getting to that point where you know you don't know when it's going to be uh pow for him uh is there even a pathway uh, for him to proverbially or otherwise uh catch the goat which in the case of LeBron would be MJ and in the case of Patrick Mahomes right now I think uh, the consensus obviously is still Tom Brady yeah I mean that's a tough question because you know it's, it's two very different eras and two very different styles of football I think the thing that stands out about, you know, Brady versus Mahomes is how much more mobile Patrick Mahomes is than Tom yeah. Brady. Tom Brady could just sit in the pocket, um, you know, manage the game, uh, which is not um, a pejorative, or which is a pejorative, but not to me, because I feel like, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes is the best game manager in the league, um, the way he's able to, you know, get the Chiefs to win games. But the fact that Tom Brady could sit back in the pocket and throw, whereas Patrick Mahomes needs to use his feet a little bit. Um, you know, we saw that in the Super Bowl on Sunday where he's able to run. Um, for some big first downs. But, uh, you know, Brady Mahomes, MJ, LeBron, I think confirmation bias is one of the biggest <laughs> things. I feel like people have already made their minds up no matter what. Yeah. You know, Patrick Mahomes can win another Super Bowl and people can say, you know, that's why he's the GOAT. Uh, the people on Tom Brady's side will say, well, you know, talk to me when he gets seven. Yeah. Same thing with LeBron. If he wins another ring, um, I'm going to say that's why he's even more the GOAT. <laughs> and then yeah. some people will say, well, let me know when he gets six. So, you know, I feel like... Um, People have made up their minds already. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, what these guys do next and, uh, you know, how we can evaluate them. Yeah, and that kind of goes back to something I've, I've talked about on this show before, and I brought it up yesterday with Rich Miano in here, is, like, I think the the best way to try to balance out that discussion and what makes the most sense to me uh, is just to sort of remove the whole idea of this being this, like, monolithic measurement of, like, mm. you're either the greatest or you're not. Like, there can be degrees, right, or there can be a little more nuance to the point of, you know, you could look at Tom Brady, you could look at MJ and say, all right, you know, based in you know modern era of this sport, um, there is no better resume. It is as pristine as you could ever imagine. It is as prolific as you could ever imagine. And so that's going to be held right there, right? And that's that's uh, going to be written in stone that that's the best, uh, you know, ar- you know, you can still, I guess, make some some arguments there. But I, I think the, the widespread agreement for the most part is, yeah, that's the best resume that there is on the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just looking at Patrick Mahomes yeah. play, right? Like with my own eyes, watching LeBron James on a basketball court, uh, watching Patrick Mahomes and the kinds of throws he can make and the clutch moments that he has, um, you know, even with this particular team, which wasn't as loaded talent-wise as some of the previous iterations of the Kansas City Chiefs, um, I can look at that and be like, oh, that's the best quarterback I think yeah. I've ever seen play. And I used to think that uh, watching Aaron Rodgers as well, you know, and, and, and no disrespect, uh, disrespect to Tom Brady because he has had those moments too where it's like, wow, this guy's something. And uh, just his demeanor, 
his 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 confidence mm-hmm. that would uh, bleed into the rest of the team, and I think that people would follow suit. That was sort of another less tangible uh, characteristic of Tom Brady was just how he would lift the spirits and confident uh, confidence of those around him. Mm-hmm. He was an incredible leader in that way, and you can see some of that with with Patrick Mahomes as well. Uh, but I just again with my own eyes, just watching him on a football field is like, oh, I don't think that I've seen anything better than that play the quarterback position. Uh, we have a, a pretty interesting texter that comes in, though, and asks a hypothetical question. It's the fourth quarter of a big game. You're down by six, deep in your own territory, with less than two minutes remaining in the game. Which current or former NFL quarterback could you choose to uh, lead the drive? Uh, I'm a longtime Patriots fan, this texter says, but I think I might choose Mahomes. Wow. Uh, where are you going with that one, Christian? Yeah, I mean, that's a bold text uh, from a Patriots fan. But I think I do agree. Um, you know, I think I would choose Mahomes, right? Like, we just saw it um, on Sunday where they were down and, you know, touchdown wins, and that's exactly what they did. Um, and then I think, um, you know, when you add Mahomes' mobility and his— That's the thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, it came to fruition on that last drive, right? Mm-hmm. The, the couple of uh, big conversions, fourth and one, where he runs for They actually call a running play for him. Like, that's amazing. And you mm-hmm. wouldn't do that with Tom Brady. You couldn't mm-hmm. really do that with Tom Brady. Uh, you know, he was incredible in those situations. And uh, obviously, more times than not, he came through, right? He was Tom terrific. But, uh, yeah, I think just in, in that additive of mm-hmm. being able to— to uh, cause damage and make plays with the legs uh, on top of also being able to make every throw that Tom Brady could also make and, um, you know, the the extreme confidence and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, I think I, I think I got to go Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> I think the more interesting question almost becomes now, uh, if Patrick Mahomes is agreed upon, I think, by everybody in the universe as being the best quarterback in the NFL right now, mm-hmm. uh, who's number two? Like, who's number yeah, two? Lamar Jackson won the MVP award, mm-hmm. his second, right? And uh, that that's somewhat uh, historically uh, pronounced because of how young he is. Um, you have Josh Allen, who mm-hmm. I think everybody agrees. Like, this guy's kind of built in a lab, and, and you know, he's, he's unlike uh, anything that we've ever uh, seen uh, in many uh, cases at that position. Who's the second best? Like, if Patrick Mahomes is number one, who are you picking for number two? Ooh, that's a tough one. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it could be between those two guys. Um, you could add Joe Burrow to the mix um, as well, um, yeah. someone that's been injured. Um, you know, in five years, we could be seeing C.J. Stroud, right? Uh, but, yeah, I think for now it is Lamar Jackson. Um, you know, you got to respect the two MVPs. Um, you know, you got to respect the fact that he played through injury last year, even though he was negotiating a contract. Um, and, yeah, you know, he's a very dynamic player as well. He has a great arm, better than a lot of people realize, I think. Um, yeah, I, I, my vote right now is, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm leaning that way as well. I, I still don't understand the game plan that, that uh, Baltimore had going into yeah. that AFC Championship game. Um, and maybe even to a degree, Lamar Jackson kind of uh, going a little bit more uh, myopic in the way he went about his business in that game. Uh, didn't necessarily rely on his extreme skill set that is so unique, right? He is the best, uh, perhaps, runner at the quarterback position of all time and you know I kind of understand going through the uh, travails of a regular season uh, wanting to minimize that risk like you don't want to break out and run all the time because you expose yourself and that's you know that has led to some injuries for him in the past Uh, but when it's all on the line in like a conference championship game or something like that I just feel like Lamar like break out like break out and do you like do you like you've always done it Um, you know 
instinctively and otherwise because it seemed like there were some opportunities there. Uh, but, uh, you know, he, he was also seemingly so hell-bent on trying to make the, the proper throw. And, uh, you know, they had what? Um, what was it? six running attempts via their running backs uh, in that in that game which is just like absurd so but yeah i think you just got to go with uh, lamar jackson uh, lamar jackson because he has uh, ways to hurt you uh, mm-hmm. in multitude uh, all right a texter here coming coming in we'll uh, do one more here before we take a break uh, kanoa nfl is all about the qb best qb will end up winning most games casey is the better qb they won it's as simple as that and uh, yeah i think with some of the modern rule changes and adjustments uh, it is probably as much about that as it's ever been. I mean, the quarterback position forever is the most important position on the field, uh, but I think that that is even more emphasized because of how the game is played here uh, Mm -hmm. in the modern era. So, yeah, I mean, uh, again, this was the Chiefs team that wasn't supposed to win at all, and they still did, and so now what are you going to do? All they're going to do is, like, upgrade at all the positions uh you know keep all of the necessary pieces uh, hopefully uh, and they're just gonna get better and Patrick Mahomes is just gonna get better here over the next five to seven years so uh we're all playing for second place I think that's the the thing we have to maybe come to grips with here Uh, upgrade your island style with Kahala the original Aloha shirt since 1936 pick one up for yourself at one of Kahala's six stores island wide or at kahala.com all right really excited because later on in the show we're going to be talking uh, with Dean Ricard. Uh, he is uh, one of the head coaches for Lahaina Luna football, and um, that was one of the most special aspects. Uh, dare I even say maybe the best part about Super Bowl Sunday mm-hmm. was the way the NFL honored Lahaina Luna, honored the, the town of Lahaina, uh, and particularly the coaches and those team captains who were present for the coin toss. Bobby Watson did the coin toss himself. That was, like, mind-blowing. Uh, and we're going to talk with Dean Ricard about that experience. They just landed back home yesterday, uh, and so we'll be uh, we'll be talking with him a little bit later on uh, in the show but uh, when we come back I do want to get into a little bit of Rainbow Warrior basketball Christian you've been covering this team a huge week for them last week uh, and how much did that resurrect their season you're listening to Let's Talk Sports What's up? Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. My man, Christian Shimabuku, digital sports reporter for KHON2, is uh, also uh, in the house with me. 808-296-1420, the number to call. You can text in at that number uh, via the Zephyr Insurance text line. Uh, all right, wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Rainbow Warrior basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, there has been a lot of chatter on this show, all of the, the shows really throughout the day uh, here in recent weeks. Uh, a lot of fans who are, uh, you know, somewhat disappointed disappointed or, or have been disappointed at the performance of the team uh, this season. Um, and that's, you know, oftentimes what I consider still to be a good sign, right? If people are still passionate enough to voice their displeasure, that still means that they care about the program mm-hmm. and uh, it could be a lot worse. It's uh, the only thing worse than people being mad at you is uh, when they don't care about you. And so that yeah. that's always sort of the, the silver lining to that. Uh, but yeah, going into this past week, I, I think there was some fear that this could be somewhat of a backbreak type of week for Hawaii because they were hosting two teams that were in the top three of the Big West standings going into the week in UC San Diego and UC Davis. Uh, And then lo and behold, uh, even when it seemed like all of the uh, added pressures and all of the circumstances were working against Hawaii, uh, they get the news that Jovan McClanahan out with a shoulder injury. You know, you had Ron Gannat who on Thursday was uh, up in the air as to whether or not he was even going to be able to coach because he was feeling so ill. Uh, And it was like, 
like, wow, this is really shaping up to be uh, somewhat of a disastrous week potentially for Hawaii. Uh, that that crowd on Thursday was particularly small. I think mm-hmm. it got up to about 2,400, which was the uh, lowest crowd I think uh, that we've seen, certainly in, in regular season play this year. And uh, and and it was it was awfully quiet in mm-hmm. there. It was just almost almost like eerily silent. And it was like, oh yeah. wow, this is this is feeling weird. Like this is this is feeling like we are um, starting to possibly uh, pass into an area where um, it is going to be quite obvious uh, that uh, this this season will uh, be looked upon as being a very negative thing. And could that possibly lead to changes and all this kind of stuff? Uh, and you know, we've been talking on this show a lot about you know, there's still a lot of time in the season. There's still time for this team to figure stuff out. And obviously. It all comes down to whether or not they can make a run in the Big West Conference tournament ultimately anyway. Uh, And so there's so much more data and so much more information that needs to be absorbed here uh, before there's any real chatter of whether you want to make changes or anything like that. But lo and behold, they go in and they win those two games. They beat UC San Diego in overtime. Uh, Juan Munoz hits a shot that will probably be looked at if they continue to to play well here going forward and and maybe turn this season around. It'll be looked at as maybe the turning point uh, uh, that three at the end of regulation against UC San Diego from the corner to send it to overtime because they lose that game. You know, they played a spirited effort, but the, the narrative wouldn't necessarily change. And I'm not sure if the team would have that extra pep in their, their step that they obviously seem to have when they went into that game against uh, UC Davis. We were talking about it on the air, Artie and I, uh, where we saw this Hawaii team out in force about an hour and a half before the game uh, shooting on the court. Um, and, and we'd never seen that many Hawaii players that long before tip-off out there shooting. Usually it's just Juan Munoz. Maybe somebody else would sort of trickle in uh, and there'd just be a couple of guys shooting and then the rest of the team would would come out a little bit closer to like the official warm-up session. Uh, But they had everybody, it seemed, out there. And so there seemed to be a new dedication dare i say or or at least a new in a new level of engagement from this team in that davis game and and man they played well noel coleman who had the guard two of the top scorers in the big west conference in both those games uh was just fantastic at both ends did this week resurrect this rainbow warrior season in your opinion christian yeah um well i think the jury's still out um you know on this team but those were two really great wins um there's no doubt about it. Um, you know, on Thursday, as you mentioned, um, you know, the crowd was quiet. Um, you know, it seemed to be, there seemed to be a lot of, um, apathy towards this team, uh, you know, leading up to the game and the weeks leading up to it because they had started big West play so poorly. Um, but yeah, you know, it was quiet. They were down and then in comes Cody Williams, uh, (laughs) who scores 10 points off the bench, you know, a walk on point guard. Um, you know, he probably earned a scholarship with that. Maybe, um, I think he should be on one uh, after that. Uh, but, yeah, you know, Juan Munoz hits at three, and then, um, you know, it really, uh, you know, gives them momentum heading into Saturday. Um, but I think the really unfortunate thing is they're not doing this without, um, you know, their alpha and Javon McClanahan. Mm-hmm. But I think at the same time, you know, it does tighten their rotation a little bit. You know, it makes Juan Munoz, um, you know, be that guy at point guard. And I think people are seeing more and more there was a reason why he was supposed to be the starting point guard these last two years before he unfortunately went down with injury. You know, he's a very crafty player, um, great shooter, plays with great pace, um, very calm when he has the ball. And I think that, um, you know, affects the rest of the team in a very positive way. Um, you're also seeing, um, you know, with more sec on, some more playing time for Akira Jacobs, who's been, you know, huge hitting threes off the bench. 
but I think on Saturday, um, you know, that kind of was an outlier, right? Shooting wise, they were. Uh, yeah, yeah. In the first half, they were, you know, fifteen uh, or. I think they were nine of eleven from three. Nine of eleven from three. Um, you know, overall, like fifteen for twenty-one, which yeah. is just insane. Um, you know, forcing Elijah Pepper, who's one of the best scorers in the country. You know, he did get his, but he took so many shots. Yeah. It was not a very efficient effort at all. You know, um, so. You know, that one might have been an outlier just because, you know, you can't always shoot that well, yeah. right? It's basketball. Uh, but, yeah, right now they're 6-7 and seven in Big West play. Um, you know, I think as our uh, good buddy Brian McInnes of Spectrum Sports um, always points out, um, you know, these guys always do find a way to hover around 500 uh, <laughs> towards that first-time exit. And, you know, this might have been the weekend that, you know, gets them a little closer to 500, you know, where there's games that, you know, maybe they could, shouldn't have won but did. Uh, making up for a couple games earlier in the season, like Fullerton at home, where you know they could have won and should have won, but didn't. It just all adds up to maybe they're around 500 <laughs> towards March, and then you know we'll see what they can do there. But um, you know, I would say it was a very positive weekend for sure. But I think the jury's still out. Yeah, it changes the math a little bit. I, I think you know some of the uh, the the shift becomes you know as opposed to oh man, I hope they qualify for the Big West yeah. tournament. Now it's like hey, there's a chance. It's it's not that unrealistic. They're only a game and a half out of the fourth place position held by Long Beach State, uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility that they can get up into that top four and they can earn that first round by in the Big West tournament. I think that's how uh, this week sort of changed the discussion. Uh, does it resurrect their season? Does it does it make this season automatically a success? No, of course it does not, uh, because it will, as this texter who just came in uh, pointed out, says, Kanoa, not to be a wet blanket, but even though they got some wins, uh, how they do in the tournament matters the most. If they go one and done again? Question mark? Yeah, and, and that's really what it's it's going to mean uh but i think at least now they can uh, feel a little better about not at the moment staring into the crosshairs of trying to make it into that top eight uh mm -hmm. that qualify for the tournament because if they weren't to have made it and i'm not saying that it's a done deal yet but if they weren't to make it into the tournament um that would be as disastrous an outcome as uh, as you could ever imagine. And mm -hmm. I think that that would certainly prompt uh, much more discussion about what to do uh, come the offseason. So this is a week that potentially salvages this year. They can use it as a launch pad, perhaps, to change the paradigm uh, and the view of, of this season. Uh, and if they can hang on to whatever they were able to find here this week, and mm -hmm. yeah, they're not going to shoot lights out like that every game, but if they can hang on to some semblance of that, uh, they played better back basketball overall much more aggressive attacking offensive basketball for sure uh, then that could lead to just a better overall performance and maybe a little bit of momentum when it does come time for the big west conference tournament all right uh we'll take another break uh, when we come back we're going to talk uh, with dean ricard of lahaina luna football try domino's mix and match special download the domino's app Get any combo of items for just $8.99 each. You can choose from all of their items on the menu. Find the mix and match deals under the coupon section on the app. Domino's Hawaii, they deliver aloha. We'll be back. What's up? Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the Paxa Studios in Honolulu. Uh, I have Christian Shimabuku as my special guest co-host for the day. He's the digital sports reporter uh, for KHON2 and uh, really excited to be welcoming to the show via the phone line uh, our next guest. It was what I believe to be the highlight of Super Bowl 58 mm -hmm. in Vegas was the NFL 
honoring the town of Lahaina and specifically Lahaina Luna football. They had uh, members of the coaching staff as well as members of the roster. And so to talk more about that experience, uh, we welcome uh, from the uh, Lahaina Luna coaching staff. Coach Dean Ricard uh, is on the line. Coach, how are you? Hey, good afternoon, Kanoa, and uh, you too, Christian. Uh, back to beer and uh, doing okay. Uh, yeah. Winding down a little. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine that you and the players uh, must have been uh, experiencing some kind of uh, euphoric high over there uh, in Vegas for uh, much different reasons than wh- how most people experience euphoria and uh, highs in Las Vegas. You guys were honored uh, there before the game, and uh, it was yourself, uh, offensive coach uh, Garrett Tejada. You had former head coach Bobby Watson, athletic director John Conrad, uh, and then the team captains who uh, joined you guys, Kaulana Tejada, uh, Bula Montgomery, Teva Loft, and Kuala Watson. Um First off, when did you first get notification that this was something that the NFL wanted to do? Fly you guys up for the Super Bowl for the coin toss. It was about uh, two weeks ago, uh, and it's an interesting story because um, nothing had been finalized, but um, all four of our players, the uh, team captains, uh, were actually called into the principal's office, and uh, and the AD and uh, the principal were present, and they actually thought they were, they were in trouble. Uh, and they couldn't figure out why they called into the office, right? Anytime you get called to the principal's office, it's like, okay, what did we do? Uh, but in actuality, uh, on the phone, on a Zoom call, was uh, Marcus Mariota, who, uh, who actually narrated the uh, yeah. short script that they mm-hmm. put together at the Super Bowl, uh, was on the phone, and the announcement was made at that time that, you know, uh, the, the players were invited to the Super Bowl along with the uh, coaches, you know, myself, Coach Tejada, Coach uh, Watson, and uh, our AD, uh, John Conrad. So it was interesting because the, the same way they got called into the principal's office, myself and Gary got called into a meeting with our athletic director, John Conrad, and our principal, uh, Richard Caroso. And even I was wondering, like, okay, uh, season's over, but was there a complaint made? And then, of course, they broke the news and... <laughs> That's how we found out. So, and you know, they they um, they kind of asked, you know, playfully asked us if we could go, and I was like, "Of course we can go." I mean, there's no need. No, we just wanted to know if you need to talk to your families about it. I said, "No, I think my wife would understand because this is a once in a lifetime opportunity." So, yeah, that's, that's that, um, and uh, everything was kind of uh, you know put on hold. We we couldn't really say anything, and so everything was fine. And then. We found out like a week before the Super Bowl when uh, the NFL made the uh, official announcement. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. Um, take us through what it was like, like you. So, so you, the news itself has to be amazing, uh, and then you know the execution of all of the the logistics and whatnot. Then you get up there, you get to Vegas. It's Super Bowl Sunday. You're at the stadium, and then you're led out onto the field. Uh, what was that experience? What did that feel like from your vantage point? Incredible and. Actually, it's surreal. I mean, even one of our kids, you know, Teva, our linebacker, was like, he thought he was in a video game because this is something that they only witness, you know, uh, on TV. But to be actually a part of the, the entire festivities and, and all the, uh, the ceremonies and to really get to see firsthand what goes into uh, putting on the Super Bowl, you know, behind the scenes and, uh, the, like you said, the logistical nightmares, shuffling people around and the stagehands running all over in the service entrance area and superstars walking by and whatnot. <laughs> it was absolutely an amazing experience, but something that, you know, we always cherish forever. And these kids, you know, I'm so happy 
you know, we, we're just so happy and grateful to the NFL for giving them this opportunity to be a part of it. And, you know, and, uh, yeah, they, they were, I'm sure they're in school today uh, and, you know, sharing their experience with everybody. And, uh, yeah, it was just a, a great excitement. And at the same time, a true, true, you know, it was our honor. You know, they say they're honoring us, but it was our honor to represent the entire uh, community of Lahaina and, you know, Maui and Hawaii as well. So, yeah, it was just a, a, a amazing experience. Hey, Coach. Um yeah, and I know since, um, you know, last August, um, you know, Tragic Wildfires, uh, there have been a lot of people reaching out and, um, you know, offering help and whatnot. Um, if uh, if you could name, uh, you know, just if there's any person that reached out and you thought that was really cool, and, uh, do any of them stand out to you? I know there's like a lot of cool, uh, <laughs> you know, people that helped out, but are there any that stand out? I mean, the list is, is, is long and I can't yeah. think of everybody. The name that stand out for sure is definitely... I just want to make sure we recognize the efforts put forth by uh, Keith Amemiel, mm-hmm. kind of spearheaded mm-hmm. this entire uh, 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 um, event as far as uh, getting fundraising efforts and just getting the connections. And, and Keith has been amazing. And, you know, can't forget Marcus Mariota, who's been a part of this, this journey too, and who's also uh, involved with the Luna Strong Foundation, as well as um, Shane Victorino. And, yeah, uh, he even reached out to us. In Vegas, we tried to to get together. He wanted to get together, but the NFL really, really took care of us. And uh, there were so many events each and every day. There was something that was planned out. So you know, we're, and we're grateful for everything that uh, we, we we attended when we were up there. But yeah, so um, Olokai, they they actually came up. Mm. Uh, they sent their representative to to provide the kids with some uh, some gear. Um, you know, you, you have the local athletes like uh, uh, the Herbig brothers. Uh, Drew, Drew uh, Breeze also uh, oh. tried to reach, connect with the kids, but the scheduling just didn't work out. So you name it. I mean, it's just incredible the amount of support uh, uh, we've seen from, you know, all, all these various uh, sports uh, organizations. And it's just a testament to the fact that, you know, sports can unite in, in, a, in a very special way and, you know, and what, what we experience is just incredible. So, uh, yeah, there's just so many people that can we can name, but uh, it's kind of hard to list them all right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I imagine it, it is an endless list for sure. Um, but that is part of the, the beauty that can come out of even something as, as tragic as what happened uh, last August. Um, the fact that you can have this kind of moment and there's still this kind of attention that can be called to the cause of restoring and rebuilding and, and rehabilitating Lahaina. Uh, and so if I may ask you, um, you know, obviously from a football and, and athletics vantage point, uh, Lahaina Luna has been able to push through uh, some of these very difficult times. Uh, but Lahaina as a town, what, what are you observing here now that we are into the month of February uh, as far as the recovery efforts? are concerned well i think uh we all realize that we're going to have to really really stay united in this effort um of course you know there's still a lot of uh work that needs to be done it's still a long road ahead of us but at the same time you know i think we we all know that it's important that uh, the powers that be you know uh, local state government uh, and all the, the, the officials who uh uh, who make the decisions, you know, they really need to, to listen to what the people mm-hmm. want in bringing back Lahaina to the way it, it should be. And, 
that's the, probably the most important part. And, you know, this is just, you know, the, the way this is going is uh, part of the reason the NFL really uh, wanted to do this was to, to bring to bring that attention to light and, uh, and you know, with their audience and uh, their influence, you know, you know, this is just part of that uh, uh, seeking out further assistance from whoever is, uh, uh, well, I can tell you this. When we were there, there were a lot of people that really didn't know what was going on in Lahaina and the continuing uh, ongoing recovery mm. process. And, you know, they actually sat with the kids and the kids uh, shared their personal experiences and their stories. And, and um, you know, and they were just like, okay, do, do, how do I help? Where can I help? And so the kids, you know, they, they did a great job in telling them what was really happening. And, you know, if you really want to help, this is the way you can. And they gave them the, uh, we had a, a little uh, uh, barcode that were uh, provided to them to, to go on various websites uh, to assist with donations and support. So, so that was part of the messaging that, uh, that the kids were relaying at that event that we attended Thursday night. But, yeah, um, there were a lot of uh, words of encouragement from people that, uh, would approach, approach the kids and us and, uh, you know, star athletes themselves. And so, so the word really got out. Mm-hmm. And as the NFL can, we all know that their audience is huge, of course. <laughs> and, uh, and I think, you know, that, that's what, that's what uh, happened this weekend was just uh, bringing attention to what's happening here on Maui and the, the, that, you know, it's a long road and, we're going to need all the assistance that we can get from this point forward. So, yeah, no, really incredible that that uh, these young people have become such ambassadors for uh, Maui, for for Lahaina itself. Uh, and uh, like you said, a lot of people were watching, and so it's a lot of attention. This is the most watched television show in history, as the ratings were just announced uh, earlier today. Uh, last, before we let you go, Coach, uh, best part for you? Uh, did you happen to be a Chiefs or a Niners fan? What were you sort of rooting for? Did you meet Taylor Swift? That that's what the people <laughs> want to know. And, and that's that's the first question everybody asked. No, we didn't get to meet him. <laughs> you can say we sat eye to eye across the stadium from where we were. We sitting in the nice section of the end zone, and if you look across, her booth was there, so we could see where she was. Oh, that funny! But we did run into a usher downstairs. I mean, we weren't able to contact mm-hmm. him, but the kids were all stoked. They saw him. He's walking in with his entourage, of course, in the service entrance areas, and they were just. You know, they couldn't believe that they were in the same building on the same uh, concrete floor as Usher as he walked by. <laughs> so, yeah, the kids had a great time. Uh, you know, they were starstruck, but at the same time, they, they really... I tell you what, the, the game itself was what we... For me, that was the best part of it. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a Steelers fan. Oh, God. Yeah. I, was, I was rooting for the uh, 49ers only because uh, <laughs> they're closest to the West Coast. So, I just wanted... Good game. We just wanted to see a, a good game, and what we got was probably the best. Well, one of the best Super Bowls of all Super Bowls, yeah. and um, so it turned out to be a great game. Uh, either way, and a majority of us were 49er uh, supporters, but um, and it was funny because we were seated with a lot of Chiefs uh, fans around us too, so we kind of kept quiet a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. Of course, the football coach would say the best part was the football itself. That makes all the sense in the world. And yeah, it was a spectacular yeah. game. But to me, uh, regardless of how great that finish was, the absolute highlight was the coin toss and those moments where the NFL took time to honor uh, Lahaina and, and honor uh, your Lahaina Luna football team as well. Coach, we really appreciate you uh, sharing some of that experience with us. Uh, welcome back home and we'll, uh, we'll talk again soon. 
All right. All right. Kanoa, Christian, take care. All right, take care. Dean Ricard, head coach for Lahaina Luna Football. How awesome uh, was that? Uh, It cannot be overstated. And, uh, yeah, the ratings just coming out. Most watched television show ever, 123.7 million viewers. Uh, And you had these uh, kids from Lahaina who were uh, there for the coin toss, including Bobby Watson who did the actual coin toss. That blew my mind. Uh, All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll have our best and worst. What's up? Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Big mahalo once again to Dean Ricard of Lahaina Luna Football for uh, sharing with us his experiences up in Vegas as uh, he and several other members of the coaching staff and team captains participated in the coin toss for Super Bowl 58. I got Christian Jimabuku as my guest co-host here uh, in studio. Christian, it is that time for our best and our worst. Which one do you want to start with? I'll give uh, you dealer's choice here. Um, Let's start with our best. Okay, let's do best. Yeah. Go Uh, for it. Yeah, uh, my best is, um, you know, something that's been talked about on the show, but Beeman's bash this Saturday. The University of Hawaii women's basketball team um, under head coach Laura Beeman is going for an attendance record. Um, I just think if you, if anyone out there, you know, enjoys quality basketball, um, you know, this UH women's team uh, is for you. Um, I think they're worth your time. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think we need to try to uh, get that place as packed as possible uh this is a team that has uh achieved uh, greatly here in the last few years they deserve that level of support so uh, yeah i absolutely uh cannot uh, reiterate what you just said enough let's try to see if we can give laura beeman and, and these girls uh, a heck of an experience and uh, a loud crazy crowd going up against a really good uh, uc santa barbara team all right i'm going to stay on the uh, female basketball tip because uh yeah people will say i'm a little biased and i am <laughs> but i gotta give a shout out to the five, Pete, five state titles in a row for Iolani girls basketball. That is uh, bananas mm-hmm. and the longest such streak mm-hmm. in the history of uh, the state of Hawaii uh, on the girls basketball front. So uh, congrats. Congrats to the Raiders. Um, that is just an incredible standard that they have set. And uh, to do it in the way that they did through some of those games uh, in the tournament, um, having to come from behind in the fourth quarter and, and overtime wins and all of that stuff, uh, just really remarkable stuff. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, like you said, um, just the way they're able to, you know, win some of these games by one or two points uh, just shows that they have the heart of a champion. Okay. Uh, What's your worst? (laughs) Yeah, my worst is um, Super Bowl commercials from Sunday. (laughs) You know, our whole lives, um, you know, such a part of the American zeitgeist. And now it's like we've already seen these uh, like two weeks ago. Um, So, yeah. Or like previewing it on YouTube. Like, they want us to drop everything and go yeah, to YouTube. It's, it kind of uh-huh. lost its luster, yeah? Some yeah, of the novelty. Yeah. There wasn't really anything that was particularly memorable from a commercial standpoint. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's uh, that, that's that's fading. It didn't obviously hurt the ratings, um, yeah. and uh, it's still money well spent for those companies. But, uh, yeah, I'm with you. Um, all right, my worst real quick before we go. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie chose to sign with the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, and if uh, this signing pays off with a championship ring, he's going to be entitled to a bonus. A $1 bonus. Yes, $1. Stems back to the three-year contract he signed after being acquired in a trade by the Wizards in 2021. The bonus was added as a joke since the annual expectations around the Wizards are low and the franchise has not reached the third round of the playoffs since it made the NBA Finals in 79. And he decided to just keep it on there here for this contract. And so it was a little bit of a wink-wink thing. But uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, that'd be awesome if they busted out one of those big checks and it just had like a dollar on it uh, if, uh, if they win the championship. Anyway, Christian, appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Uh, talk to you later.